Welcome to episode 156 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Telepractice Today. This is going to be one of our legacy episodes, so one that we've done in the past. We're going to rebroadcast, essentially because we had a interview lined up, but uh, something came up at the last minute. So we decided, Kim and I decided to re-air a recent, a relatively recent visit from Stacy Pfaff, and we're going to have her back on in a couple of weeks for a new interview and to catch up with her. So here is Stacy, and I hope you enjoy this legacy episode. Okay, today we are joined by Stacy Pfaff from myteletherapyroom.com. Um, Stacy, welcome. Tell us a little bit about your background with telepractice. Hi, thanks for having me. So I have been a speech pathologist for about 15 years, about 10 of those years, I worked primarily early intervention in elementary high school education. And the last four years or three years, um, I started working in telepractice. So I'm going into my fourth year full time. And I really don't feel there's any turning back for me. I um, wrote about my very first blog post over at my teletherapy room was called how um, teletherapy found me because that's truly what happened. Um, my husband, and I moved from Fargo, North Dakota to Omaha, Nebraska about four years ago. And my youngest son was starting preschool and he had about one year before kindergarten. So I thought, oh, I just kind of want to check out teletherapy. It'll be a great um, job to have while he's at preschool and I can set my own hours. It looks really flexible. So I, I gave it a try the year before he started kindergarten and I absolutely fell in love with the service delivery model, and everything that health therapy had to offer. So the rest from there is a little bit of little history. Great. I like how you said that it found you and how you like the tele, the flexibility of it too. That's something that I really enjoyed too. Um, so we wanted to talk today about uh, just some things that maybe will help people with just feeling more comfortable with working from home and things like that. I know one of the things that people have a worry about when they're thinking about switching to working at home primarily is um, feeling isolated, feeling like they don't have people to turn to for help. Uh, what tips do you have for SLPs to not feel isolated if while they're doing um, telepractice, either permanently or just in the current situation? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That is a great question. Um, Initially, I think I have to say personally um, that I have had more connections with colleagues now that I'm a teletherapist than when I did in the brick and mortar setting. Um, And I feel that technology has given me means to connect with other SLPs around the world. So for an example, there's about 90 SLPs that are currently employed by, by the company that I work with compared to the maybe the two or three SLPs that I was Um, collaborating with in the brick and mortar setting. So keep that in mind that um, with technology, you're going to have so many amazing SLPs that you're going to find that with a little time, you're going to be connecting with. And that's just um, 
something that I have found to be absolutely amazing. But um, there's a few things that I've learned to kind of increase my connections with others and not feel so isolated. Um, certainly be intentional about reaching out to your colleagues that um, in the company that you work for and attend as many virtual meetings and even continuing ed opportunities that you can um, and try to just establish some new relationships. Um, some other ideas is once you do have connections with other SLPs in, in your workspace, um, be intentional about kind of connecting with them on Google Hangouts or via email. Um, I have several chat pods um, with other SLPs that we just say good morning or send a virtual cheers from our coffee cups. We reach out to each other for resource ideas. We brainstorm difficult students and even do things like counting down to the end of the school year. Um, so just kind of making those connections virtually rather than in person will allow you to have um, some wonderful new relationships that are formed. I also have um, some times that I've met with my colleagues via Zoom off the clock in the evening, maybe once a month to connect on more on a personal level. It's been amazing. I have really some wonderful new relationships that have formed. That's great. Something that I've noticed, you know, we always get feedback sometimes for people that are not doing telepractice who say there's no way you can build the same level of rapport with your with your patients or with your clients that you're working with. And I've never seen that to be the case. It's always been, you know, very close relationships. But you've you've sort of um, gone in a different direction as well in terms of just saying that you can also develop very close relationships with colleagues through telepractice or, you know, virtually um, and have just as, you know, meaningful and closeness, all the meaning and closeness that you want to have in the person, you can do that through a virtual context or virtual community. Yeah, absolutely. And those um, colleagues that I'm talking about don't live necessarily in Omaha. Some are mm -hmm. um, in Ohio or Illinois. And I even have a good colleague who that I just met through the teletherapy work who lives in New Zealand. So just getting to know her and, and the things she's fighting for in the terms of teletherapy and across the world has been something that I wouldn't have ever dreamed of experiencing. If yeah. so I like how you talked about that you're, um, you've met with them in a lot of ways that weren't like work related and you're forming those relationships, which just makes it so much easier to know who to ask and how to ask when it is something that you're like having a problem with a client and things like that. That's sometimes we think that we should only be, I don't know, we're bugging people if we're reaching out to them and it's not work related, but I liked that you talked about forming those relationships. So when it is work related, you have that support. Yeah, yep, definitely. It just kind of comes full circle um, once you really get those relationships going. And you just have to be really intentional because you can be in your office in your own little space. But unless you make that first move and just send an a email or a chat or um, even in some of the, um, I don't know if a lot of people are on Facebook, there's some wonderful um, Facebook groups. And one of them is my, one favorite of mine is teletherapy materials for SLPs, and then also SLP telepractice collaboration. And you can reach out to colleagues in that manner as well, and just have that environment to be able to collaborate 
on some issues that not only you might be experiencing, but other SLPs as well. So you're kind of just very um, supportive of the entire community. That's great. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of good ideas from those groups too. Are there any other ways that you um, reach out and connect with SLPs to get ideas? Um, not necessarily. Um, I do have, you know, once the relationships are formed, I definitely can text or call those um, colleagues, which is kind of a form of communication that we don't use that often anymore. <laughs> but it actually is is nice to be able to do that as well. But um, in this environment, mostly email and hangouts and, and anything through my computer. Great. And you also have some resources that you've created for telepractice through your website and things like that. What are some of those um, that people can find and get help with? Of course. So my favorite go-to resource is through Boom Cards. I create a lot of <laughs> activities on the Boom Learning platform, which I'm sure you guys are very familiar with that. It's just when I screen share, um, the platform is so user-friendly. I find, especially for younger kids, they can be interact with sentences or clicking the mouse and, and even they don't even have to use the mouse to interact and, and they can still be engaging. Um, so I've done a lot of resource with that and, and a lot of articulation resources, um, language resources, some social language. I'm still kind of building up my, my resource library of, of tools. Um, but I also have a couple PowerPoints and a few static PDFs in my store. One of my favorites is called Social Media Manners for Middle School and High School, where it addresses social etiquette in a virtual world. And it's just a different um, component that a lot of our kids struggle with, but we really need to teach them those social skills with, because um, it's really one of the main ways that teens communicate now. Um, so that's one of my favorites. Well, that's a great one. I'll have to look that up. But I also, sorry, I was just going to add, I also use, other than what I create, um, I use a lot of websites. You just have to kind of think about what skill you're targeting and start digging on the, the, the web. And you'll be amazed at what free resources are available to teletherapists. The first thing I did when I started teletherapy is had to spend a few hours a day or not a day, but just looking at different activities and building my digital toolbox. And there's a lot of free resources out there that are really amazing and, and valuable that I found very effective in my sessions. So. Yeah, I think that's the challenge. Sometimes people who are now either choosing to do telepractice or being forced to do telepractice think, oh, how am I going to get started? How am I going to create all this stuff from scratch? You don't have to. There's lots of people like you who've already created some wonderful materials, but there's also lots of free materials and that that are available to you to take advantage of. It's just doing that deep digging and finding them and adding them to your digital toolbox, like you say. Yeah. Yep. With that, do you have a good way that you found to organize all the resources you have? Uh, this is kind of a never ending battle for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on that. Um, a lot of times I just um, create folders on my desktop and um, organize them by concept that I'm working on. Then I use my bookmark tab, bookmarks tab in the same manner for my website. So if I found a great one, I'll just 
silent under articulation or high school language or whatnot. And same thing for boom cards. Folders really seem to be a great way to um, organize them. What I'm just kind of digging into is there is a website called Trello. It's called um, T-R-E-L-L-O. I don't know if you've heard of it. But what I love about it is that you can take screenshots of your your, um, resources and then kind of put them in a folder. And when you log into it, it looks like Pinterest. And mm-hmm. for, I've been meaning to just kind of transfer all of my materials over to that and organize them visually so that when I go to plan, I can just pull up an R articulation, let's say, and it'll just show in pictures all the resources that I have. <laughs> and um, for me, that visual organization system is really nice. So it takes that's super time consuming, though, but something I've been thinking about doing. That's a great idea. Um, I know for me, I think the first year I had it organized by client and then I quickly got like overwhelmed and was trying to remember now, which student did I work on this with? Cause I want to find it for another student. And I quickly learned that that was not working the best, (laughs) that it was much easier to have it. You know, now I have a whole folder for R cause that's most of my kids. And so it does take some time and some trial and error to figure out what works for you. Yeah, I would agree on that. It's really individualized to what works for you. When I first started teletherapy, I had I did the same thing. Um, I would copy my activity into a folder specific- specifically for my students. And now that I kind of know exactly where my tools are and what I'm going to do for the, the day, I just kind of leave them in the folders. I don't create separate folders for my students and I just kind of pull them up. So yeah. I think as you become more comfortable with the technology and getting to where you need to be on your computer, that that part definitely becomes easier. I think so too. I think there's a lot of people that are overwhelmed with the amount of prep that it's taking for them right now. But having done this for a while, it's so much faster for me than in-person sessions, (laughs) the planning and prep. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. (laughs) So if you're listening to this podcast and you're a new teletherapist, just hold tight and be patient. You'll get through it and then it'll be a lot easier for you. Yeah. Go ahead, Kim. Um, I know that you also run a Facebook group. That's the, is it the healthy SLP? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yep. I just started it. It's pretty new. It's very small, but I really, um, love to run. So I've done um, about eight half marathons and a handful of 5Ks. And when I moved from the brick and mortar setting to teletherapy, I went from about 10 to 11,000 steps a day to about one to 2000. Really, if I just come from my bedroom down to my office and I look at my step watch at the end of the day, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have not moved. So I really wanted, created this space so that we are still taking care of ourselves and making sure that I can maybe provide some resources and motivations for other SLPs in the area of um, self-care. That's great. And while I'm a teletherapist and you kind of have to work a little bit harder at, at moving and staying focused with your health and wellness. It's really a space that I hope all SLPs would benefit from. Right. I, I was just going to ask, are you getting sort of a wide interest in terms of people who are not doing telepractice as well as people who are, who are interested? Yeah. In, yeah. Yes. That's good. Yeah, That's definitely. Good. 
definitely a wide, wide practice. And I try to just kind of keep it light and interactive is my goal for that space, but um, just kind of touch on all areas areas of health and wellness. So physical activity for all levels, um, you know, food and nutrition for, for all different types of interests. And then also, you know, emotional wellness and, and mental health wellness too, because you have to take care of yourself from the inside out in order to be a good speech pathologist, I feel. And whatever professional you're in, you need to have that self-care in order to do a good job at what you're doing. Well, certainly the balance has to be there, you know, that that work-life balance. If you don't, you're going you're gonna to regret it down the road. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just one other thought in regards to teletherapy, it's really easy easy for me. I'm a morning person. So my body just automatically gets up around six. So I could easily come down to my office at, you know, by six thirty or seven. And that's two hours, let's say before my first group of students, I could easily work, you know, until four thirty or five o'clock at night. So you have to be very intentional about not coming down to your office until you really need to. Otherwise, you're going to be putting in way more hours than what um, you probably would do if you're traveling to a building to work and um, traveling home. So that's a, I'm the opposite. I'm the night owl. So mine was always <laughs> I'd put my kids in bed and then I'd go to my computer to finish paperwork and plan for the next day. But it's the same thing. I'm like, okay, I have to be intentional about. I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to go to bed now. <laughs> so, but yeah, it is, but it's nice to have the flexibility of what works for you, but it also like that flexibility can make some of us, you know, not ever turn it off because it's right there in our home and we don't have to, you know, drive somewhere, be somewhere. Um, so I think that's a fine balance. Yeah. I agree. I and, agree. And you feel guilty sometimes when you're doing other things. Oh, I could be over there doing that, you know, preparing yeah, yeah. lessons or making something for next week or finishing exactly, that. Exactly, because it's report. right there. Mm-hmm. I had yeah. um, I, I had one of the social workers that I worked with on an um, early intervention team that she talked about when she had a home office, she had a big sheet that she would put over her desk at night to kind of like close the office <laughs> and not have it be out of sight, out of mind. And I thought that was a good idea yeah. for some of us. That is a great idea. Absolutely. Very true. Do you have any other tips for working long hours in front of the computer and maintaining that healthy work-life balance? Yeah. So the the glory of teletherapy is we're really in control of our own schedules. So I know some SLPs who do long days, back-to-back sessions, and um, some SLPs who maybe just kind of space it out. Um, so that is really entirely up to you, but I really feel strongly that you need to give yourself a lunch break and um, give yourself some breaks throughout the day to get up and walk away from your desk or go outside and just even walk to the mailbox and get the mail or take your dogs for the walk just to kind of give yourself a breather from looking at the screen. I also feel personally if I don't take my lunch break that I'm going to probably overindulge later in the day or or have a bowl of unhealthy snacks in front of me. So really making sure that you're looking at your schedule and making sure that it's balanced and you have healthy breaks in there. So, so you can have a, a good day. 
I think those are great suggestions. Uh, we've heard from a lot of people um, how they're scheduling things, scheduling sessions back to back, and and sometimes by you know being forced to do that uh, and not really realizing that they do have that control and they can maybe adjust, make some adjustments to their schedule so they can have some breaks in between um, and catch their breath and right. have lunch. It's okay. It's okay to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. And that might be a time where you want to call, get some social um, socialization and reach out to your a friend or a FaceTime or just connect with others too. I also know a few of my colleagues and I have not invested in this, but they have an under desk pedal exerciser. I don't know if, mm-hmm. where you just can pedal on your bike underneath your desk or a standing desk. All those are just some easy modifications you can do to your environment to kind of have more energy and, and feel a little bit healthier and more balanced. Yeah. Those are other great ideas too that I've seen some people do. I have seen, um, there's some people have said, I think everyone jumped into having a standing desk that they were like really excited about it. And it was so cool. And then they figured out it doesn't work to stand all day either. (laughs) So I think what they're saying now is it's best to have something that can adjust to either one. So you can, you know, do sometimes standing up and sometimes sitting down. But I know there's sometimes when I'm like trying to get my kids up and moving that are on the computer screen that I wish I had like something that I was up higher so they could see me standing up and things like that. So some adjustments to your environment can work too. Definitely. I love that idea. I love that idea. And I never thought about it in terms of having your kids be seeing you standing and doing some of the actions. Um, And, but now that you mentioned it, I would definitely agree with you. It's always interesting, though, because I'm, like, trying not to, like, strangle myself with the headphones <laughs> and all these other things. But so I don't do it that often. But every once in a while, I just I need to get them up and moving and they're not going to do it unless I do it with them. <laughs> right. True. So what tips do you have for those that might be returning to telepractice in the fall or they're thinking about making a permanent switch? Just what's your kind of, um, I don't know, words of wisdom that you would give them? Yeah. So I love this. And the one thing that we always have to remember is that we're we're clinicians first. And our job is to take all of our years of experience and all of our education and do what we know what to do but in a different way. So don't let the technology scare you or this window or this computer in front of you and the distance between your students stand in the way of doing what you're able to do and what you're capable of doing. Um, Just be confident in your skills and know that um, you're providing services to others who may not have access to it in whatever situation we're in or, or whatever school they're in, you know? So I think that's just something we have to remember as SLPs that this is just an opportunity for us to meet our students' needs just in a different way. Um, And just have fun with it, I guess. You know, it has been a really stressful year, and and I hope that as SLPs go into the new year that that we can just find some more, a little bit more joy in, in what we do every day. And then just one other quick thought is um, as you're getting ready to look at your caseload, I know um, 
with COVID and whatnot, a lot of therapists were expected to have a very high caseload and do teletherapy. I just want to also point out that that isn't really a true representative. We we do some group therapy, but it's not three or four students in a group like we would do in a brick and mortar school. So obviously their caseloads are higher. I know I saw some thinking 60 to 70 students as a tel- doing teletherapy. And um, I think that is just high, um, first of all. And so hopefully as they're going back in and moving into the fall that they can take a little closer look at caseloads and caseload distribution if you are doing teletherapy to make it more of a realistic expectation for SLPs as um, whether you're choosing to do teletherapy and moving to, to the, uh, an employer who provides teletherapy services or if you're within a school district who's being forced to do teletherapy. I think now we can see the future a little bit and um, we're not forced to make such a quick move that we can have some control over those situations. Yeah, and I think there's a lot more opportunity to um, like pull people in that to help you with that caseload that maybe wouldn't have been able to help you before because of like physical location. I think that's something that people can look at too. I know I've had some people that have been able to do less groups when they've switched to um, telepractice because with schools being out, there weren't limitations like you can't take them during reading time and you can't take them during math time and you can't take them during lunch and you can't take them during recess. So all of those kind of barriers kind of were lessened and they were able to see more kids individually um, than they were seeing in person. And I think just being creative and looking things at things like that to help with caseload numbers, I think is a very great idea for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Stacey, you've been wonderful. Thank you for all of these great suggestions and tips. And and I hope everyone is able to uh, find your materials online and and buy and purchase and, and support what you're doing. And uh, we just really appreciate you being on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a, a great adventure over at my teletherapy room. And I hope you guys all just come and join me. And thanks again for having me. So you have my teletherapy room.com is your website. Are there other ways that people can find you and your resources? Um, Mostly through my website. I have, um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well and Pinterest. Um, So if you prefer to contact me through those um, chat um, features, definitely reach me there. Great. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you again. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. This was a legacy broadcast, a rebroadcast of a previous episode with Stacy Pfaff. Stacy will be joining us again in a few weeks, and uh, that will be exciting to get an update on how she's doing and everything that she is doing. And so I'm looking forward to that. And with that, uh, please always leave us a five-star review. That helps us to attract new listeners and new subscribers. And do share this podcast and these episodes with anyone you think might benefit from hearing this information. Until next time, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.